This podcast is sponsored by Performance Services. We are an Indiana company specializing in new construction, high-performing building renovations, and smart infrastructure solutions for cities and towns. Our approach to projects results in cost-effective and quality outcomes with a no-change-orders guarantee. Performance Services is a local builder with a national reach. Connect with us on LinkedIn. Let's build together. Welcome to AIM Hometown Innovations Podcast. This podcast is designed to offer insights, best practices, and innovative solutions for the challenges facing Hoosier cities and towns. Each edition will offer ideas and inspiration while showcasing the talent and commitment of Indiana's local leaders. Enjoy the program. Welcome to AIM Hometown Innovations Podcast. I'm Matt Greller. With AIM, our guest today is Mayor Josh Marsh from the wonderful, wonderful city of Greensburg, Indiana. Thank Hello, you, everyone. Mayor. We were joking around earlier. I, I mispronounced it earlier and said Greenwood, my hometown. So, Mayor, great to have you on the show with us this morning. Uh, we had a meeting yesterday, so I'm going to cheat a little bit about some of the things I, I'm going to ask you. We we talked and heard from you a little bit, so I'm going to dive into those things a little bit later. But first, you took office about three and a half years ago. You've got a really unique background. You're an attorney. Uh, you have a family farm that you still work on today. Um, you're younger than most mayors in the state of Indiana. How did all those interesting things prepare you to be the, the mayor, and, and how's that been going the last couple of years? Well, thanks, Matt, and and to AIM for having me. It has been an interesting uh, journey to here. So uh, Greensburg is my hometown. And as you mentioned, my family's in agriculture here. And so I grew up on a family farm in southern Decatur County, mostly just uh, corn and soybeans, not very much livestock, and uh, had the opportunity then to uh, go to Ball State for undergrad and actually started my uh, undergrad education doing urban design and community planning, which uh, is under the School of Architecture, and uh, decided that maybe that wasn't exactly the right career field and switched to public relations and marketing with the intent to go to law school um, after graduation. Got really involved in politics. Uh, My dad was on the school board when I was in elementary school and and watched that process happen locally and uh, was really involved with College Republicans and and helping shape that organization into uh, what it become and, and was part of. And after graduation, I, I went, I graduated a semester early, went to the state house and did the internship with the Indiana House Republican Caucus and worked as a legislative assistant intern for one session there in the spring of 2016. Um, left that at the end of the session and, and had an opportunity through a connection I had locally in Decatur County and in Indianapolis to go work for state personnel leading the health and wellness um, insurance committee politics policies, I guess you could say, for uh, state personnel across the state. So we worked uh, with the 30,000 employees and about 60,000 medical lives covered to help improve health um, and wellness statewide. So I spent a lot of time traveling. And then in August of 2016, I started law school at the Indiana University McKinney School of Law at night. And so I would work during the day and four o'clock would roll around and I'd walk uh, down West Street and and go to school uh, over there and uh, really got involved with that as well. And then in my third and final year 
at McKinney, I went to work for the Indiana Attorney General's office doing uh, drug abuse uh, and school safety, which was a total shift, um, and then decided, hey, I'm going to uh, figure out how to get more involved in my community, and my jobs took me traveling around, and so I ended up coming back home um, in the fall of 2018 to run for mayor in the fall of 2019, um, had a primary and a general opponent, and uh, took office in 2020 when uh, the world changed about 100 days in. So that's that's kind of a little bit of my background. It's a little bit unique and uh, was elected at the age of 26 and will turn 30 here um, in July. So it's been a unique uh, ending to my 20s, that's for sure. Really cool story, I think, of how you arrived and how you came back home. But not a lot of people do that. I think it's admirable and, and good to see that you're choosing to to have the best job in politics, uh, local government, city and town government, it doesn't get any better than that. My dad was on the school board too uh, when I was a kid. Did you feel like you were scrutinized for every move you made because your dad was on the school board? I know I did. Yeah, I think that that's an interesting position, right? To have a to have a parent in, but it it was really good, and and we went through. That was when it was still funded uh, by local property taxes, so we had a local remonstrance that uh, he was on the side of change and and growth and improvement for, and and unfortunately that was defeated. But it really did help shape a lot of you know how I look at how we do things and in the the decisions made behind politics and policy, um, as we continue to grow as a community, are still kind of rooted in that. Uh, conversation and decision that I was a part of back uh, when I was in fifth and sixth grade. Let's shift gears here just a little bit. Uh, you have been a fantastic advocate on a variety of issues, but most recently housing for AIM. Uh, it's obviously dominating discussion just about anywhere you look in the state of Indiana. Uh, you represented AIM at a, a recent meeting, a joint meeting uh, with the Home Builders Organization. What, uh, what's happening on the home building front in Greensburg? What's happening on the rental property front? Uh, how are you navigating all the good things coming our way in terms of new tools to use from the legislature, uh, tools that you've used previously to change us here in this last, last session? What's the direction in Greensburg? Well, we like a lot of um, small communities. So we are kind of considered southeastern Indiana, some consider central Indiana, but we are not a donut county um, to Marion County. So often, you know, we hear about donut county growth. We're not in that category. Um, we are a growing community. We're not a declining um, county as far as population growth. But this is something that I started talking about very early on in the campaign trail. When people talk about growth, you have to talk in sort of the ideas that the way that communities grow and, and budgets expand, right, is you can either cut services, you can raise taxes, or you can increase assessed value. So for us, it's always been about increasing assessed value and growing the community, and you need people to do that. While your AV on a home may not be that high, the jobs that they fill creates income tax, and the, the industry that employs those people pay the 2 or 3%. So that's what we're looking for, and that's what I've been talking about for years. And so I walked in uh, January 1, 2020. Um, our redevelopment commission was kind of wrapping up their uh, big project that they had been working on for a couple of years. I reappointed, um, I think, just about all of the members, if not all. And we got to talking about how can the redevelopment commission help with this. And then in the, I believe is the 2020 session, if not 21 session, the legislature passed their first opportunity for housing TIF districts. And uh, we created, I believe, to be the second one. And that allowed us to purchase some property 
and, and then really start the conversation with developers because locally, again, and I led with the we're not in the Marion County donut bubble. We're a rural, um, I always call us rural, but not remote um, community. And that allows us to work with and try to attract those larger scale developers. But honestly, I can't get them to come this far out. So we started looking at regional and local um, developers who could take on um, single family homes, market rate with the redevelopment commission. And that has truly been a struggle. It's probably one of the hardest things um, that we've had to take on in the last three years. We've seen tremendous growth in home values, but we've also seen, you know, the tremendous increase in construction and development cost. So we are still working to pursue and finalize development opportunities in our housing district, even though three years later, even though the Redevelopment Commission owns the land, even though we're committed to seeing it through, um, that has been a big part of our conversation. You asked about the change in legislation this year. We did have less than 1% growth. We did get school board approval. We did all of the old requirements and, and barely made it. And so with the new restrictions or, or lightened restrictions, I think there's a lot of opportunities for communities to use the tool. Um, there is a warning going around out there, you know, be careful that we're not incentivizing $800,000 homes in communities that are booming with this tool. Um, allow communities like Greensburg or like many other across the state that are maybe right on that cusp of needing the opportunity for housing and for development and to use it. I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to how we can, you know, take our first project and, and turn that into projects two, three, four, and five, because it is still something we need. We are working. Um, there's a local um, developer who is building some apartments market rate uh, on with no incentive other than a tax abatement, which is pretty standard um, operating procedure. So that's kind of where we're at. Um, there's a lot of great opportunities. If you're not familiar with the housing TIF legislation, and that's something of interest, uh, the Indiana Home Builders Association meeting that Matt mentioned that uh, AIM was at was very well received. And it's a great opportunity to show where the partnership between the home builders and AIM are uh, coming together and, and that bridge that sometimes is on fire uh, is being uh, rebuilt and that we can work together on things that are mutually beneficial. Yeah, absolutely. We had a great, great session working with them uh, this this past few months. Just one more follow up to this. You know, I've talked to you and and your counterpart just down the, the road a little bit, Mayor Bettis and Batesville. You know, two communities that, as you mentioned, are not in the Indianapolis bubble, so you're not seeing that development and housing. But you both have massive corporations in your communities, major manufacturers, major business businesses, you're sort of equidistant between Indianapolis and Cincinnati. You're really the poster child for what some of this legislation was, who this legislation was designed to help. Uh, and I, I hope that the work you're doing can be a, a model for other similar communities around the state. I'll leave that, the housing topic, topic there and, and switch gears just a little bit. Um, roads, obviously you're a mayor, we're all in the business of local government. Roads and streets are just about the most important thing that citizens see every day and, and talk about and make sure, uh, want to make sure that they have adequate access to and in, in good quality shape. What, um, where do you see the, the road infrastructure discussion heading in Greensburg and, and how are you faring so far? Well, it's an interesting topic as it is with most places. Obviously, there's the whole discussion about EVs and how do, how do they pay their share and what's that look like going forward and the rollout of NDOT's EV charging network with the, the federal dollars and, and settlement dollars. 
So for us, you know, we are consistently looking at, we have three state highways that crisscross us. We also have an interstate. So that keeps us relatively uh, locked into what NDOT's plans are. And they've been great partners with us. And for that, they've got a pretty substantial project that's going to work on our main street, uh, which is great. Um, we're working with them through a multi-phase LPA project that will uh, kick off construction in 26-27. So we're excited about that. But, you know, locally, we're using our opportunities to use local match dollars with CCMG dollars to match some ready dollars to match some ARPA dollars. So we're very <laughs> excited about a uh, multi-million down, multi-million dollar downtown project that has been uh, talked about for quite a while. And we're able to get that to about an 80-20 funding with local dollars being 20 and 80% from ARPA and Ready and, and CCMG. So I think you'll probably see a lot of communities continuing to try to stack the dollars. It's not getting cheaper, obviously, to maintain and improve roads. Everyone would love to have glass to drive on. Um, it never fails that as soon as you repave a street, somebody comes in and replaces a sewer lateral. So um, we love to see you know the investments that's happening. There's obviously a lot of conversation about gas tax and where that money goes, wheel tax and how that works. Um, counties and cities have to be working together a little bit more on that as the sort of longtime example of I may not use a county road uh, very often, but people that live in the county use city streets all the time. And it's sort of the same conversation going the other way with, you know, a lot of people traverse into Marion County um, to go to work or, or into Fort Wayne from surrounding areas. And in what contribution is that? So there's a lot of opportunities. Um, I think communities are just going to have to continue to be innovative. And I also think some communities are going to have to uh, just deal with the amount of money it takes to repave one block. We have found some success in doing what's called microsurfacing in neighborhoods. So we'll take like a whole neighborhood that maybe doesn't have a lot of traffic and we're able to extend the pavement life five to seven years with a microsurface. It comes with uh, both edges. It comes with its new surface. It looks better. It's smoother, um, but it really helps protect the underlying pavement. But then a lot of um, communities want to go, well, why didn't we get new pavement? We just kind of got a chip and seal type top. Um, but it really does help. We've got a couple neighborhoods that were built in the 90s that need that, and we're able to expand our dollars into completing the whole neighborhood at one time with that method. So that's been pretty successful for us. Yeah, that uh, that process, in fact, was just used in my neighborhood last week. Uh, it, it's kind of messy at first, but after a few days, it's like a brand new brand new surface. It's pretty interesting to see. Um, we, I mentioned it earlier, you know, when you think of Greensburg, I, I think a lot of people automatically go to the, the Honda facility that's been there now for 12 or 13 years. Can't remember exactly how long. Most people probably are envious of you to have such a facility in the community. Just talk a little bit about how that relationship has been. It's probably not all sunshine and rainbows every day, uh, but some of the successes and, and challenges that go along with having a major facility like that in your community? We're very fortunate to have Honda here, and they've been with us since their 2006 announcement. And, you know, they employ a lot of great uh, individuals. Decatur County is their number one employment location, followed by Marion County. 
Their average commute runs about 42 to 45 minutes, and they would like to see that down under 20. So we talk about regionalism and how do we improve our region, uh, attracting those individuals that work there, especially when we were seeing you know record high gas prices, um, help wanted signs everywhere. They were struggling to keep individuals at their facility, even though they pay very well, they have great benefits. Um, they have a pretty strict work schedule. They, you know, didn't lay anyone off during uh, shutdowns, and and they've really been great partners. They continue to be good partners with the community, but you have to also remember that they're a biz they're in business to make cars. They're not in the business to uh, support, you know, governmental functions, if you will. So um, obviously, they pay their taxes. Um, there was a lot of debt incurred uh, to improve infrastructure when they came. Um, it is in its own tiff. It pays its bonds and our. Uh, financial gain from them being here hasn't been realized yet because the debt that was taken on um, to do that and, and the city took on um, a very large portion of that. The state did kick in some dollars. But also you have to rewind the clock to 2006. Economic development was very different then um, versus now where we see you know individuals or, or uh, quasi agencies buying land, transferring or you know dumping billions of dollars into something, which I'm not weighing in on that at the moment. But 2006 economic development was very different than it is today. So our uh, partnership with them is good. Um, are they a, an absolute, do they fund the city? No, um, but but they're good partners to have. They're a great employer. And it's always nice to be able to lay claim to another uh, foreign direct investment. And uh, they're going through a restructuring that they've been doing for about two years now, which is actually helping them become more engaged in the community. Um, they have their first um, co-plant lead, the way they do their leadership is kind of interesting, but they have a co-plant lead. Um, she's a Decatur County native, been with them since day one here, and uh, she's their first female co-plant lead from Decatur County. So um, lots of things that are helping uh, reinvest them in our community, and we're excited about it. We're going to be home in 2025. They're moving their Honda Accord um, here as well. So we will be home to their top three selling lines will be made exclusively right here in Greensburg, Indiana. Yeah, that's pretty cool on, on a variety of fronts. One last topic before we let you go, Mayor, you have a relatively new and, a, and an active Mayor's Youth Council in Greensburg. Talk a little bit about the inception of the council, why you feel like it's important to kick off, what kind of projects you're working on. Tell us a little bit more about it. So one thing that I'm incredibly proud of is, you know, we've tried to take an invested interest in the youth in our community. Uh, that was something that I... Uh, had to overcome a little bit. Uh, we also have a very young prosecutor who uh, was elected a few years before me, and that has really helped shape, uh, you know, young people being involved in our community, wanting to see it uh, thrive and strive at the same time. So when I uh, started this role, we we launched sort of a reinvigorated Mayor's Youth Council that met on 7.30 on a Monday, the first Monday of the month. Who in high school wants to meet at 7.30 on a Monday? Uh, and then, of course, COVID, and you couldn't get into schools, and everybody was busy. And, and so we restarted that um, about 18 months later, and we, we kind of went this different route. We have the Greensburg Prevention Group, which um, a lot of communities have them. They're federally funded uh, youth engagement programs. They do like to be the wall posters and um, anti-substance abuse is pretty much their uh, MO. And the director of that came to me and said, hey, like I get paid as a part-time job to manage this. What if we combine the mayor's youth council? We make it countywide. Um, we have 
two school systems, three high schools in Decatur County. And uh, what if we make it, you know, countywide? What if we expand it all the way down to sixth grade? We try to get some more youth involved and I will kind of manage the programming um, with you. Because as we all know, it gets it gets busy uh, trying to keep uh, the youth engaged and at the table sometimes becomes a, a, a full-time job and staying connected. So that's how we relaunched it. Um, we had about 40, 35, 40 active members in year one from all of our schools, including our private um, Catholic school that goes up to eighth grade. So in, in a way, there's four schools involved. And it has been uh, tremendous to watch the students take leadership roles. It is truly student-led. Um, the director and I kind of just attend the meetings, and I open up my phone book and say, this is who you need to talk to, and, and this is where you go. And, hey, I talked to them about donating some money the other day. You might want to give them a call and just really try to help uh, drive that forward. And the idea is it also builds into we have an internship program now that I started about three years ago um, during the summer. And now our building has five or six interns, the Chamber of Commerce, the Economic Development Corporation, the HR or uh, clerk treasurer's office, our engineering office. So we've really went from zero to 100 very quickly. And it's all rooted in this idea that young members in our community um, can have an impact. They can have a voice. They can make a difference. And one thing that I think is really unique about our internship is um, I set aside money every year in the budget, and I don't tell them what the amount is. I just say, I want you to think big. I want you to think of a project you've seen um, while you're off at college. We require them to be at least out of their freshman year at college before they can apply for our internship. And when they come up with an idea, then I tell them how much money it is. And we're we're talking probably close to $100,000 a year that we can direct towards a project like that. So it's not a newsletter. It's not flowers in a flower pot. It's real infrastructure improvements. We did an outdoor fitness park. We've done outdoor games. And uh, right before we jumped on here, I was talking with Scotland, who's interning with us this summer about what she wants to do um, this year as well. So we'll see where that goes. It's all encompassed in this idea that young people making an impact in their community makes them more likely to return home because they see a community that's interested in what they would like to see and they're having an impact. And that's what it's rooted in. That's really interesting, really cool uh, projects and, and work you're doing with the Youth Council. One of the things I think I read about, is there something called bottle cap benches in, in Greensburg? What, what yeah, are those they, about? They uh, they tackled this uh, project out at North Park, and it shows how it can be so momentous in, in building. The interns last year made some investments at North Park. The city made a big investment with just infrastructure. And so the youth council said, we want to finish this job. We want to work on the basketball court, and we want to get some benches. We want to collect some bottle caps. It's going to be a school competition, and uh, we're going to collect bottle caps to build a bench out of them are recycled. They're built in Evansville. You take them down, they melt them down, you get a bench out of it. Um, and uh, they applied for a statewide grant through the Indiana Community Housing and De uh, Development Authority. They The statewide competitive, uh, they were awarded a matching grant for up to $15,000. They went out and raised over 22,000. So uh, they're well ahead. And their bottle cap uh, event was so successful because everyone's so competitive that I think they're going to end up building six benches and four picnic tables, which if anybody's ever done before is literally a semi-trailer load of bottle caps, I believe. And they just have thousands and thousands of pounds with it. We had to get with the county commissioner so that they could keep them in a building at the uh, 4-H fairgrounds. 
and uh, they've made tremendous success. They've gotten sponsors to donate to uh, help cover the cost to get the benches made. So uh, the, what was a small goal turned into a massive success. And uh, it's been great for them to not only compete for the grant statewide, not only go out and fundraise and put a business plan together, but then to far exceed their goal, not only in fundraising, but also in the bottle bottle cap adventure. And it truly took them from no name ID to a lot of name ID where people are familiar that there's a youth council, they're tremendously involved, and they're really, really doing well. Well, Mayor, thank you so much. Uh for joining us on the podcast today, as we, we talked about in our meeting the other day, a uh, lot of turnover coming this fall, especially amongst mayors. And, and you're going to go quickly from being a, a new mayor to a veteran mayor and helping educate those that are coming in behind you. So great to have you a part of the municipal family in Indiana. And thanks for joining the podcast today. Well, thanks, Matt. And thanks to AIM for all you do to help represent us on all levels and, and to the entire crew that makes it happen in the background. Much appreciated. Thanks, Mayor.